Okay, some uh, housekeeping business. I've been asked to ask you if you have an empty seat next to you, if you would move in toward the center, because we have a lot of people that are so happy that there's heat on in the room, that they are just coming in from far and wide. Thank you very much. And then I'm also really excited because I found out last night that we have the people that are between 5 and 11 years old in here too, which is really cool. Some of my favorite people are between 5 and 11, so I'm really glad you guys are here. Can you give a big hand? And because, because uh, elementary school people, I don't have any cartoons in the message, I'm going to make some special allowances for you. First off, I'm going to keep it short. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. I don't. Second one is we're going to have a contest because we are going to talk about the Bible a lot. We're going to read a lot from the, from the Bible today. So if you could, the first 15 people that meet me in the commons, under 11 years old, and can tell me how many verses we read, I will give you a piece of candy. Sweet. So you can do tally marks, you can do this business, you can just tell your mother to keep track. Um, but it should be really cool. She doesn't get the candy, you get the candy, but this will be really cool. Um, so to start it off, we're talking about the Holy Ghost, which also known as the Holy Spirit. And I've got a prize if you're under 11, and you can tell me another name for the Holy Spirit. Raise your hand. Some other name for the Holy Spirit. Yes. You, sir. You could, but you're not going to. You know it, but you don't want to share it. Because Does anybody know another name for the Holy Yes. God is correct. Good luck with that one. Oh, there you go. All right. Anybody else got one? You're, you're over 11, sir. Yes, way in the back. Spirits, all right. Would you mind? I don't want to kill anybody the first, first time. Okay, yeah. You could take a bite. <laughs> I got one more. Is anybody else? The name for the, yes, right back there with the headband. No, all right. Back, back to that gentleman with the striped shirt. Christ, no. We're getting warmer. Right there, you sir with the blonde hair. What? Him. What? Jesus, no. Anybody else? Going, going. Oh, in the back. Oh, she already won, too. All right, right here. Holy Ghost. Did I say the Holy Ghost? I think I did, but see if that gets back there. Okay, cool. I am very excited about uh, that I get to speak about this today because I can't remember the last time I heard a talk on the Holy Spirit. So I love it when I get into something where I get to study it more. And uh, hopefully I get to understand it a little bit more. We'll see. Did you know that the Holy Spirit is mentioned over 800 times in the Bible? 800 times he's mentioned. But I don't know if you're like me, that sometimes I have trouble picturing in my mind the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's part of the Trinity, along with the Father and the Son. But it's easier for me to picture the Son because, you know, Jesus became fully man when he came to earth. And there's, you know, paintings of Jesus. So I can kind of picture, you know, that I know he's between four feet and six feet tall. And he had hair and probably facial hair. And I know that. And then the Father, God the Father, I can picture him because I understand Father conjures up a, uh, a picture. I don't know if it's correct. I don't know if he's the, the, the gray-haired, white-beard guy with his, you know, reaching out like that to Adam or not. But I can picture that as opposed to the Holy Spirit. So I don't know if you're like me, but I used to kind of think of the Holy Spirit more of an ethereal realm, you know, kind of a, 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 a force. But it's not like 
Star Wars, you know, the Force, may the Force be with you, and the Force influences for good and evil, that kind of stuff. That's really not what the Holy Spirit is. He's not just the, the life-giving power of God. So what do we know about him? Who is the Holy Spirit? What is his job? What does he do? Anything. How does he play in, in with, with God the Father and God the Son? And is belief in the Holy Spirit necessary if you're an Orthodox Christian? Somebody said yes. I believe that. You're jumping ahead. Very good. Um, it's also strange to me that many of us understand that as we've become followers of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in us. He actually indwells in us. So it seems odd that, at least if I'm judging everybody by me, that I have less of an understanding of the Holy Spirit than maybe I do about Jesus, even though there's this very personal relationship the Holy Spirit has with those of us who are believers. That's why I'm excited to talk about this. And what I wanted to, for you guys to imagine is, imagine that I am wealthy. This takes a lot of imagination, but imagine that I am wealthy, and you are my really good friend, and I decided that, you know what, I've got maybe $300,000 to spend this year, and what I would like to do is hire somebody who is your personal defender. He is going to hang out with you all day long, and if you need defending, he's going to come to your aid. If, if you need somebody to be an advocate for you, that's going to be it. Okay, that's my gift to you. I also came up with another 300 grand. I'm also going to find somebody who's a biblical scholar, a, a, a theologian who's going to just explain things to you. His whole job, 24-7, 365 days a year, is hang out with you and explain the things of God to you. How cool would that be? But I found another 300 grand, and I'm also going to hire somebody to be an encourager for you. Their whole job, this, this guy's whole job is to follow you around day and night and just say, we can do this. You are not alone. I'm with you. How awesome would that be? Have those three people. I would just like a personal assistant, but have those three people to come alongside you like that 24-7. How amazing would that be? And this, this actually gives us a glimpse, a little bit, into who the Holy Spirit is. And really, what I want to hope to communicate today is the Holy Spirit shows us how much God loves us. It's really a love story. So let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for, uh, for everyone here that you brought here. I thank you, Lord, that you demonstrated your power and your, your glory, your splendor this week with our weather, but I thank you that everyone made it through here. I lift up those that are still without power um, those men and women that are working hard to restore that power, lift up those that are sick, particularly Pastor Matt, I pray that you'll uh, bless them today, that you will um, speed their recovery. And I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would run rampant in this room as we learn more about who you are and uh, what you want for us. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we hit some of the names for Holy Spirit. Um, he's also known as a counselor, an advocate, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Truth, Eternal Spirit, and just plain God. Comforter is also. You still, I'm out of candy though, so just relax. <laughs> okay, so who or what is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit always has been. Okay, he's not some new feature to the New Testament that, that he just appeared and he was dormant or a new thing. What didn't exist in the Old Testament. In fact, the first time he's mentioned in the Bible is the second verse of Genesis 1. So the Holy Spirit 
has always been because he's part of the Trinity, part of God. And we'll talk about the Trinity a little bit more in a minute. The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit is a person who has a will and a mind. He thinks, he acts, he has emotions, he speaks and he loves. And by the way, he is, in, he is a he, he's not an it. Okay, so we really need to think of him as a person, one of the persons of God. The Bible uses imagery to describe the Holy Spirit, um, oil and water and fire and wind, but these are only symbols of his nature and his ministry. Okay, so kids, I bet you're glad you're, you came today because we're going to talk about the Trinity and we'll get it all explained and you guys will understand it. You can, no. If we were going to study the Trinity, it would take months and months and months to really understand it, but I kind of wanted to start there as kind of our baseline. Because we know that there is God, and sometimes we, we misuse the term God. We say God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, where they're all God. So it would be God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit would be a more accurate way to, to talk about God. And an age-old youth ministry illustration for um, illustrating the, the Trinity is to use water. Okay? And um, it doesn't, nothing we, we do to illustrate the Trinity works because there's nothing like the Trinity. But we're going to start here anyway, okay? So here I have have water, and here I have ice, and uh, I'm just going to dump it on the table here. The cool thing is it's not going to melt today, so there's our ice. And then the, the third part of the illustration would be vapor or steam, and my lovely wife made me some steam there, so there's the steam. You <laughs> should take a bow. Take, take a bow. There you go. Nice job. Okay. So, and you guys can debate who, which one is which. I don't know who uh, the ice would be and who the water would be. But I guess if we were, for the purpose of this illustration, just because the Holy Spirit does seem more ethereal, at least to me. So we're going to say that the Holy Spirit is this vapor right there, part of the Trinity. And there are uh, two really great verses that have a really beautiful picture of the Trinity that we're going to talk about. And again, if you've got your smartphones, crack them open. Or if you actually got old school in the Bible. Um, by the way, the smartphone, since I don't own a smartphone, I always am kind of offended when people use that term, because what is my phone? <laughs> Differently enabled phone I have or something? <laughs> anyway, the first one is Matthew three sixteen and 17. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. Matthew 28 goes on and says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and in the Holy Spirit. So we see in both those verses, all three aspects of the Trinity are mentioned. So back into the Holy Spirit. He has personality. He is a person. He has personality. And the first thing we're going to look at is the Holy Spirit has a mind. Right on. Romans 8 says, And he who searches our hearts and knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. What a comfort that is to know that there is somebody specifically interceding for us as followers of Jesus. That's who the saints are, you and I. Those of us who have chosen to follow Jesus, we are saints. The Holy Spirit has a will. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. 
He alone decides which gift each person should have. So our spiritual gifts are dictated at the whim of the Holy Spirit. He decides who gets what. The Holy Spirit has emotion. First one is the Holy Spirit grieves. Ephesians 4 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Isaiah 63 says, Yet they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit, so he turned and became their enemy, and he himself fought against them. Those are some pretty sobering words right there. The Holy Spirit gives joy. In Luke chapter 10, it says, At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. What an insight into, into God, into the mystery that is God, that the Holy Spirit, it says that joy was brought to Jesus through the Holy Spirit, and he thanks God for it, God the Father for it. The Holy Spirit takes action. The first example of this is he teaches. In John chapter 14 says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. He testifies of Christ. John 15. When the Counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father the Spirit of Truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. That's really interesting because what Jesus is saying is the Holy Spirit is testifying to us and through us about him. Really, really cool. The Holy Spirit convicts. John 16 says, When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt or expose the guilt of the world in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. He also produces fruit. Galatians 5, 22-23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against those things, there is no law. By the way, the word used in Greek there signifies that all those gifts are given to all believers. So all those things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, will come to all of us in one level or another. I, uh, I get shortchanged sometimes in the self-control, but that's my shortcoming, not the Holy Spirit's. But all those are, are uh, gifts to us from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads... Romans 8 says, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. The Holy Spirit reveals truth. John 16, 13 says, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He also strengthens and encourages the church. Acts 9, verse 31 says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in fear of the Lord. What a blessed church 
that we are a part of that, that is encouraged and strengthened through the Holy Spirit. But not only that, the Holy Spirit strengthens us as believers. Ephesians 3 says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and in your inner being. I live this one too. This is the one, if I had the $300,000, I might hire this for myself. The Holy Spirit counsels. John 14, 6, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. It's sobering to me that I think that, that we who follow Jesus have access to the God of the universe on a personal basis. That is love. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. The first part of Romans 8.26 says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. He also searches the deep things of God. 1 Corinthians 2.11 says, The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit works on our behalf quite a bit. That is a big portion of what he does here on earth. The first one we come across is the Holy Spirit sanctifies. Romans fifteen sixteen says, To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God sanctified by the Holy Spirit. That's a big Christianese word, kids. That just means the Holy Spirit goes before God and says, yep, he's one of us. Let him in. You guys with me, kids? I was going to say underpants every once in a while just to see if you're listening. Okay. Some of you are. <clears throat> that always gets a laugh, by the way. If they're under fourth grade, underpants always puts them in the aisle. All right. He intercedes. I love this one, too. This is the other half of Romans 8.26. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but I have been there. I've been there broken before God, so burdened, so overwhelmed that I cry to him and words do not come. The Holy Spirit's already in me, right? He already knows this. So he talks to God on my behalf, groaning. And, I, and I, that, that really speaks to me. I know that I've been places where I just don't have the words to speak. But I want to cry out to God. And it's just kind of a groan, kind of a wail. And the, the Holy Spirit is there for us. The Holy Spirit testifies. The Spirit himself testifies of our spirit that we are God's children. He is standing up for us, telling God who we are. He also forbids. The Holy Spirit can forbid. Acts 16 says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the providence of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. And this last section... It's kind of scary, at least to me. Because the Holy Spirit can be affected by our actions. 
I don't want to have that kind of power. I don't want to be able to affect God. But that's the way he set it up, that I can actually affect him through my actions. First off, the Holy Spirit can be lied to. Acts 5, 3 says, And Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you receive for the land? Here's another one that shakes me. He can be resisted. The Holy Spirit can be resisted. Acts 7.51 says, You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you're just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. This is another troubling verse here. The Holy Spirit can be blasphemed. This one gets, we have questions about this one all the time. Matthew 12 says, And I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven of men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. And as a believer and as a pastor, this next verse, the last verse, is uh, the one that worries me the most. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 The Spirit can be quenched. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. You know, when we think about how much God has invested in us, allowing Himself to dwell in us, empowering us in all these many ways, advocating for us, fighting for us, moving us, guarding us, for us, through our actions, to cause the Spirit to be quenched, that is something that we really need to look at, that, we really, that really needs to be at the forefront of our mind as a burden. You know, when Jesus um, was appearing to the disciples for the last time before his ascension, he was giving them advice and encouragement, telling them what it, you know, their, their marching orders. But I can imagine that those, those guys who'd lived with Jesus for, for that period of time, been with God face-to-face, night and day, and then for Jesus to be leaving, that would have to be a very, very scary situation, very, very mournful, very sad thing to know that Jesus was going to go. And because of God's love for us, Jesus said, don't worry. I'm sending you the counselor. I'm sending you the advocate. I'm sending you the defender. I'm sending you someone that's going to testify on your behalf. We're still with you. This is a love story. In the Old Testament, we see that the Holy Spirit would come upon people like he did with Saul, like he did with David, but then he would leave. In fact, when, when Saul was struggling with the aftermath of the sin with uh, Bathsheba, that's one of the things he pleaded with God, please don't take your spirit from me. And that would be a hard thing to give up. But we, as post-resurrection followers of God, as Christians, the Spirit doesn't leave us. The Spirit will never leave us or forsake us or withdraw any of these wonderful, wonderful benefits that the Spirit brings upon us. I really hope that, that this morning would just be an encouragement to, to each of you who are believers to really reflect on how much God loves us. That, that we have this tremendous godly force to take advantage of. 
And this gift is just a sign of his love. The fact that he allowed us to be equipped and transformed and used in such a way through his indwelling of us. And I know there are people in this room that haven't decided to follow Jesus yet. You might be here because somebody asked you to come or um, you're just curious about this God stuff. And I invite you to, uh, to really examine whether you're ready now, whether you're, you're ready to, to accept him, whether you're ready to surrender your life to him. And let me assure you that the trade-off is purely in your favor. That when you do that, you will be empowered by this team, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit actually helps you through life. I would not want to make it through life without him. And this is a free gift. Nothing would make God happier than for you to do that today. In fact, it says in Luke that when that happens, when you who are not following him choose to follow him, that the heavenly host, the angels in heaven, throw a party. And who doesn't like a party? Love, love to have a party uh, with you today. We would love any of the elders, any of the people with, with name tags on, we would love to uh, answer any questions you have about surrendering your life to God. Because I think most of us, when we're um, lying in bed, it's late at night, and you're overwhelmed with something, you know you're not going to be able to do it by yourself. You know it's too much. Today's the day. What better day? What better day? Cedar Crest High School, that you decided to follow Jesus. It's not scary, it's wonderful. It's freeing, it's empowering, and it's a blessing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you love us this much to enable such a way that you can be personally involved with every aspect of our lives all the time. Lord, I'm so glad you're God, because if I was God, I wouldn't have thought of that. For you to, to be so concerned with us, to know that uh, life is too hard without you, and to be able to implant yourself in our lives is just amazing. We are undeserving God, but we are eternally grateful. And Lord, I know there are two people in this, in this room, those that know you and those that don't. And I ask right now, Lord, that those that know you will be praying for those that do not. And if anything that was said today is making you um, uncomfortable, anybody in the audience that's uncomfortable, that the hair is standing up on the back of their neck, or they feel like there's a spotlight on them, that is the Holy Spirit working on you. That is the Holy Spirit drawing you to Him. And He's been, he's been pursuing you since before you were born. He loves you with a perfect love, and and he just wants you to reach out to him. And I pray that you will do that. Um, the, the elders will be out in the commons afterward. And if you'd like to talk to somebody, just please come up and, and grab us. Nothing would make us happier. And nothing would make God happier. Lord, I thank you for this week. I pray that you will uh, empower us through your Holy Spirit to be blessings to the community, to our friends and neighbors, to our family. And that we will reflect upon your great love. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.